All right, that was cool, but let's make some noise for Jesus. Come on, thank you, Lord. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. Well, good news is Jesus is here because he's inside of me, and he's inside of every one of you as well. Uh, but thank you so much to, to Luke for that intro. Just before I begin, I just want to I just want to say you guys have full permission to ignore every word I say and let the Holy Spirit just do whatever he wants to do. Okay, we're not here for a meeting. We're here to meet the King. Okay? And then I also want to just honor if, if Luke and Alma could just... Uh, where'd Luke go now? Oh, there he is. Just blending in. Um, if you two could just stand just for a quick second. I just want to honor you guys so much. You guys have amazing, amazing leaders. Not just, oh, cool, the church pastors, but just as people, you guys carry something so beautiful. And it's an honor for me to actually... When you guys asked me to speak, it felt like it was my birthday. I was like, what? You know? And I'm just really honored to, to be able to speak in your guys' church, and I'm really thankful for, for this opportunity. So if you guys could just stretch your hands to them. I just want to pray a blessing over them quick. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for these incredible leaders, God. We thank you for their yes. We thank you, Jesus, that they put you first every single day, not just for themselves, God, but for an entire congregation, Jesus, for an entire community, Lord. We thank you for the anointing of family on this house. We thank you, Father God, for the, the presence that dwells here, Jesus. We honor their sacrifice, God. And just right now, I pray, Lord, a new favor, a wave of favor and blessing over each and every one of them, God, in their families, in their finances, in their personal lives, and in church ministry. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Let's, let's give them a hand. Let's honor them. Come on. All right. Okay, so it's really, like I said, it's really good to be here. I'm so excited. I couldn't sleep the last two nights. I was so excited. Uh, but thank you, Jesus, for grace and energy. Am I right? And um, yeah, my name is Moshant, as said. And I actually come from George, like a George. Uh, I was in Glenwood House during high school. Any Glenwoodians in the house? Yeah. I kind of knew that one was going to happen. <laughs> Uh, but nonetheless, Glenwood, I'm sure they're in the other church at the moment, so let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, but I've just realized, you know, um, God's good, and it's all right. Anyway, so yeah, my name is Moshant, and I did uh, high school here. I finished in 2013, and then I had the privilege of going to university in Stellenbosch. I went to go study there, and that was awesome. Did three years there, got to move to Cape Town, best city in the, in the world in my opinion, but just a little bit biased. And I was working for my dad's company there. We have a branch here in George and also in Cape Town and Johannesburg. And I was doing my postgraduate while, while working for my dad. And that was cool and all, but then one day, turn to your neighbor and say, one day. One day I was like, why don't we just go into debt and go to Bethel, you know? <laughs> no, I'm kidding, but not really. So, <laughs> so one day I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to go to Bethel. It's been a, a dream of mine since I was about 15. Some of you may know uh, Daniel Newton. He's brought the missions trip team. Yeah, shout out for Daniel. <laughs> Woo! Daniel watching, yeah. Um, he, he's mentored me since about that time when they started bringing a team to George, and I had the privilege of getting to know him, getting to build relationship and have him pour into my life. And I just saw there was something that, that this house that Bethel carried that I wanted to be part of. And what's amazing is, I would never say that one church is better than the other, but you have to also realize where God's calling you. And I had felt in my heart that God had placed something on Bethel for me specifically that I had to do one day. So fate would have it that 
this was the year that I would be blessed enough to go to Bethel. And oh my gosh, guys, like, <laughs> you just wait, the Lord's moving. Um, and that was just amazing because, you know, I, I had gone with this promise on my heart and I just see God move in such a new way in my life. You know, I've always known for me personally, there was more in a certain area and I felt drawn to Bethel. So praise the Lord. I got to go this year and um, I just want to share a little bit about that. And then I'm going to bring the word of God. Shout out for the word of God. Woo! So my time at Bethel was just so incredible because a lot of what they deal with in BSSM is all about your identity. And for me personally, like my identity has been something like, okay, cool. I kind of think I know who I am. But there was never really a certainty about what God had put in me. And it's easy to be falsely humble or it's easy to put yourself down. But once you actually realize who you are and whose you are, that changes. You know, like humility isn't thinking less about yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. And that was one of the, one of the things that God did in me this year was actually just steadfast identity, learning about who I am. Turn your neighbor and say, you should know who you are. You should know who you are. And uh, Bethel was a great gateway for me to see that because it became a thing of, wow, God says this, I have to choose to believe it. You know, it's easy to, to just go around life and not really knowing who you are. And then maybe you end up in your like 50 one day and you live 50 years without knowing who you really are. And just think about, I don't want to like put any shame on anyone, but just imagine like the impact you could have had in people's life. You just knew who you are. And all of that is found in the gospel. You know, in the gospel, it's so interesting that I, I, personally, don't believe, I personally believe many Christians don't believe the gospel because the gospel says, I'm no longer a sinner. I'm actually now a saint. The gospel says, I'm not dirty. I'm made clean. Gospel says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. And the thing is, we, we know it, but we don't always believe it. And this year for me personally was actually getting the opportunity to really believe the gospel, to really actually see the power of the gospel. So today, I actually want to, I want to share with you guys on hope. And the reason for that is, I've just, I don't know about you guys, maybe you can show me by a show of hands, who's, who's encountered a little bit of hopelessness, either in your life or people around you? just kind of seen the last while has been hard. Am I right? And I feel like God's placed on my heart this message of hope because when, when faith is released, and I'll talk about that a little bit later, but when faith is released, things change. Faith is the currency of heaven, meaning when we have faith, we can actually move heaven to do something that would have never, ever happened. Okay? That's pretty awesome. Actually, sorry, that gentleman over there with the black... Uh, th- no, so dark blue um, yeah, jacket right over there. I'm pointing at you. Could you just stand up quick? Sorry, I just saw the Holy Spirit all over you right now. I just feel like God's given you a real protector anointing that he's called you to actually like, almost like an older brother to protect people around you. And I feel, I feel like you're going to play quite a big part in your community to leading, showing like what it looks like to be a godly man, what it looks like to be a good brother. And yeah, I just want to bless you with that. Like, really take that to heart and ask God, like, okay, cool, how can I steward this? How can I take what he's given me and actually use it quite effectively? Cool. 
Sorry, got a bit distracted there, but it's okay. We gave Holy Spirit full permission, so it's all good. Okay. So what I want to talk about hope today. Um, like I said, there's a lot of weariness and hopelessness going around. And there's this quote by Francis Frangipani. It says, any area of your life that is not glistening with hope is rooted in a lie. Think about that for a minute. Any area of your life that's not glistening with hope is rooted in a lie. And it made me think that, especially like Luke, Luke told me, this week is, or this month, is missions and outreach, right? We as Christians are supposed to be the most like, hopeful people in the world. And what's sad to, to me is that I see a lot of Christians hopeless. You know, in Colossians 1.27, it says that Christ in us is the hope of glory. Think about that. Christ in you is the hope for greatness, the hope for glory, the hope for, you can insert whatever cool word you want. He is the hope inside of us. How can we as Christians not be hopeful? How can't we? It's impossible. You know, how, we have to be. You see, there's a difference between there's worldly optimism on this side, and then you get biblical hope, and I'll explain the difference. With worldly optimism, it's like, it's like the Proteas. You can look at the Proteas and be like, Lord, there's always next time, you know? <laughs> or for me, like, hope could look like one day I'll have a beard, you know? Um, I hope one day. Actually, quite a funny story. This morning, um, someone asked me, like, what's that under your, under your nose? I was very offended. But then I actually just thought of, of something my one pastor at Bethel said to me. He's like, guys, don't you just love Mars's mustache? He decided his nose was so important he's going to underline it. <laughs> So I did. Okay, so that's, that's an example, albeit a very silly one, of what worldly optimism looks like. It's kind of like trying to look at a, search, a situation with the best outcome. You know, like, we hope that because Cyril Ramaphosa is president now, the country will turn around. But what's really interesting is if you actually look at biblical hope, it almost ignores the situation completely. It's like, Things are so bad that you just shouldn't actually look at the circumstances at all. Like, just don't. But what's really awesome is that if you look at biblical hope, it actually becomes all about Jesus and God's character. His nature and his character becomes the anchor of what we're actually starting to hope for. Do you guys think that's true? I do. So what's interesting is if you look at uh, the word for hope in the Bible, there's actually two in the Old Testament Hebrew and then one in Greek in the New Testament. And what's very interesting is if you look at it, it always kind of points to actually a person. It's always like this intense longing, this desire, this expectation for someone. And obviously we know that someone is Jesus. You know, but I'm going to show you two. Let's make it legal. If you have your Bibles here, who's got your Bibles here? Lift your, lift your Bibles. Okay, a lot of cell phones going up. It's good enough. We'll take what we can get. There's some Bibles here, I believe. If we can maybe hand some of those out. Judges 6. Head there. So while um, Luke hands out some, some Bibles, and while you guys are turning there, I'm going to give you some context in Judges 6. What's very interesting to see here is that Israel's in this crazy weird cycle of 
they, they turn away from God towards wickedness and sin. And then God's like, I'm going to send a judge. He's going to deliver you. Everything's going to be okay. So he does that. But then what happens is the judge dies. And then they just continue back to their wickedness. They go back to their old ways, go back to sin. And it's like God does this a couple of times if you read throughout. Like they kept a new judge being, being risen up to deliver the people. And every time it's the same situation. They just, the judge dies and they just go back to wickedness. But now in chapter 6, God raises up Gideon. And there's a new judge to deliver the people from the Midianites. Turn to your neighbor and say, Midianites. I had to practice saying that a couple of times. A little bit of a tongue twister. Okay, so let's look at verse... (laughs) Let's look at verse 11, about halfway through verse 11. It says here, Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press in order to save it from the Midianites. Another translation actually says that he was hiding in the wheat press. Verse 12, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am a valiant warrior. And in case you didn't believe it, turn to your other neighbor and say, you are a valiant warrior. Amen. The power of declarations tonight. Okay, verse 13, let's follow again. And he said, uh, then Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, listen to this, why then has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracles which our fathers have told us about saying, did the Lord not bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. That's hectic. Maybe today you might be feeling like Gideon did at that time. You're like, like God, where are you? Or maybe you're feeling like, have you, have you abandoned me? Have you ignored me? You know, it's a, it's a legit way to feel sometimes. Let's be honest. We, we've all had that. But let's read on and see what happens here. Verse 14 The Lord looked at him and said, Go in this, your strength, and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Have I not sent you? You see, when we realize our source, we actually have strength for our assignment. That was better than you thought it was. Verse 15. (laughs) No, too late. (laughs) Joking. When we realize our source... We have strength for our assignment. Okay, verse 15. He said to him, O Lord, shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least of Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my father's house. So the odds are totally against him. This is amazing. The Lord says to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. Surely I will be with you. What What I love about this is, he says, surely I'll be with you and you will defeat Midian as one man. But what actually happens is when, when he goes out, Gideon says to his men, right, men, when we go out, shout for the Lord and for Gideon. He didn't want to actually have the, the glory for himself. He's like, Lord, we're doing this together. I want to do this with you. I just love that. I thought that was very cool. But what the, the key part is there is that he says, surely I will be with you. Gideon says to him, verse 17, is the last two verses we're reading. If, if now I found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who speaks to me. Do, please do not depart from here until I come back to you and bring you a burnt offering and lay it before you. And he said, I will remain until you return. Okay, so let's recap quick. Gideon, he's in the wine press. Angel comes to him, 
like says to him, like, look, you need to go deliver uh, the Israelites from the, Midi- from the Midianites. And he's like, oh, but where's the Lord? He's abandoned us. No, no, no. He's not, he's not really got a lot of faith, it looks like. You know, he's kind of like, what, God, what are you talking about? Where are you? And God just ignores him and says, okay, go in the strength. Have I not sent you? I, I love that part. It's kind of like he just ignored the complaining. I believe it was intentional because he was trying to take, he was trying to take Gideon's attention from his misery to his strength. He was trying to take his focus from being abandoned to being with God. God said, I'm with you. Okay, so this is why perspective is so very important when it comes to, comes to hope. Turn to your neighbor and say, your outcome is determined by your outlook. Okay, so what do we mean by this? I'd like to suggest to you that facts... Facts are different from truth because what happens is facts change. For example, the fact might be that you have stage four cancer and there's no hope for you. The, the truth, however, is that Jesus is healer. You see how a fact is, it's not, a fact is true, but there's truths that are truer. Okay? If we look at, yeah, that is good. <laughs> If we look at reality, there are two realities, okay? There's, there's what we choose to see, and there's what God says, okay? Get this. This is, this. this is our job as Christians. We need to align what He says with what we see, okay? Align what He says with what we see. Because your thing is, now again, like this always gets, a lot of people take offense when you, when you talk about hope and bad situations, because they're like, you have no idea what I'm going through. And that's true, I don't. I have no idea. Maybe I can't even relate to what you're going through. But it comes down to you can't allow your situation to determine your perspective. You see, if you limit yourself to your circumstance, you can't change it. Okay? Again, no way am I trying to belittle your circumstance. I'm just saying that your circumstance might be the perfect lie. It might be... Every fact of that situation might be saying there's no hope, there's no outcome, there's no way God can do this, there's no way that any of this is going to work out for my good. I had a a time in my life in 2017 where emotionally I'd probably had like the hardest year of my life and um, a lot of it was, you know, like dealing with emotions, you're like, oh God, I feel so horrible and you're sad and you just feel defeated. It's like, what do you do in those, those times where it just doesn't, you just can't feel hopeful? You're trying your best, but you just don't. And I actually had to force myself. I literally sat down one day. This is a very good exercise practically if you guys want to try this. I took a piece of paper. I wrote down everything I felt, everything I thought, whether it was true or not. I was like, this is never going to happen. I'm all alone. Like, no, no, no. Like, write down, be as honest with yourself as possible. And then what I did was, I was like, okay, cool. What does the word say? And I started writing down scriptures. started writing down promises started writing down all the good things in my life, actually seeing like, oh, wait, I'm not alone. I've got an amazing church. I'm not alone. I've got an amazing family that supports me. I'm healthy. I can thank God for that. You know, like changing your perspective is so, so very important. There's this part in uh, that we read there, and it actually goes on a little bit later in the book of Judges where Gideon, again, like he asks for these signs. He's like, God, if it's you, 
And if you're with me, show me a sign. And classic God, in his goodness and faithfulness, he, he shows the signs. He actually like, uh, he hears his request and he answers them. This is so important, but to, in order for you guys and for me to understand it, we need to understand the difference between faith and hope. Because honestly, if you had to ask someone what's the difference, they're like, uh, belief something? I don't know. Like, you know, it's quite a difficult differential sometimes. So what is faith? We know from Hebrews 11 verse 1 that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen, right? I love how the Passion says it. actually says, now faith brings our hope into reality. I love that. So the thing is, we obviously, we all have faith, but the question is, where is yours? So I love, who here knows Chris Vallotton? If you don't know him, go YouTube him. He's amazing. He's one of the pastors at Bethel, and he spoke about hope once, and he was saying, he was also actually talking about, like, differentiating and understanding faith and hope. And faith sees that which is not yet. That's the whole thing of faith. Faith sees. That's, again, now the two realities that we get to choose from. You know, are you going to choose to see the reality of your situations or, with faith, see the reality that is not yet, okay? I'd like to propose that if your faith is not in Jesus, you're hopeless. Because you see, the thing is, hope feels. So with faith, you see, you see in the distance, you see in the future, you trust in God, but when you have hope, there's this, like you actually feel it inside of you, there's this anticipation that you get. It, um, it says in, in Lamentations 3, chapter, uh, 3, verse 21, sorry, it says, This I recall to mind, and therefore I have hope. So follow me with this. This is, this is, my, this is how I kind of thought about it. I'm like, okay, cool. So faith, like we said, it brings hope into reality. Faith sees, hope feels. I'm like, okay, so how do they, how does this work? And then I saw the story of Gideon and the signs that God had fulfilled for him. And what I realized was that Gideon had no faith at that time. He was feeling really faithless and hopeless. So what God did was he allowed him to ask for signs to be fulfilled. So God showed him his faithfulness. So in order to actually have hope for the future, because he couldn't even think that he would be able to deliver the Israelites, God had to be faithful in his past. See, so what happens is you actually need to look back sometimes before you can look forward. So faith is grounded in the reality of the past. That which Jesus has done for us gives us faith in the moment here, and we can actually look forward in hope for the future. I was going to make a, a sermon title, Back to the Future, <laughs> but I haven't watched the movie, so I felt like I'd be cheating. I'll watch it one day. Apparently, it's pretty good. So we see this, this relationship between faith and hope. Sometimes you need to look back in order to look forward. And what's interesting is some people are like, oh, man, you know, but what if you're like me and you're a new Christian and you haven't seen the faithfulness of God? Or you might be like, well, I'm sick and I'm trusting God for healing, but I haven't seen it yet. Like, what do you do? And this is how smart Jesus is. Jesus is so smart. He invented the testimony. <laughs> Praise God for testimonies. I love this. Warwick spoke about this when he, when he said God had actually worked in his life for um, the India mission, he provided, and he took that faith, 
and he actually applied it to his current situation, gave him hope for the future. Brilliant example. Thank you for that help. That was really good. You see, what happens is in, in chapter, I think it's chapter 19, chapter 19, verse 10 of Revelations, it says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. A lot of people are like, wow. And then other people are like, I have no idea what that means. So let me tell you, when we testify of what Jesus has done, something happens in the atmosphere, something prophetic, meaning that when we testify of what Jesus has done, it actually creates faith in a moment for the future, for it to happen again. That's why you guys have maybe seen when, when there's a healing testimony, it actually creates faith in the atmosphere and it's released to someone else who needs it. So I want to encourage you today, if you feel like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't have faith right now, get testimonies. See what God has done in other people's lives and take that as your own. Say like, Lord, I'm looking back to what you've done. Back that way. I'm looking back to what you've done for this person. I'm trusting in my now that that's what my future looks like. You see, when you look at what God has done for you, in you, and through you back then, it actually shows you what he's going to do for you in the future. Like with Warwick, he saw, God, you were faithful in finances in the, in the past. I'm trusting you right now that it's going to be the same in the future. And that faith is what moves heaven for the breakthrough to come. Okay, so hope. What is hope? I'd like to propose to you that hope is the confident expectation of good empowered by faith in God. Confident expectation. That's saying, God... I know that I know that what you said will come to pass, whether it looks like it or not. It's choosing to believe the, the truer reality. Some of you might be thinking now, you know, well, I'm, I'm trusting God or I'm, I'm hoping for my loved ones to come to Jesus and they're living in sin. Or I'm hoping that I'll get financial breakthrough even though the bills can't be paid. Or... I'm trusting and hoping that one day God will give me the right relationship. And let's be honest, sometimes that's a kind of hope that actually hurts. There's actually this, like, you feel like you're suffering a little bit. But I want us to turn to Romans 8 real quick. Okay, say hope when you're there. Okay, we're going to start at verse 18. We're going to see where we get. Okay, Romans 8, chapter 18. It says, yeah, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Verse 19, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope, that creation itself will be liberated from the bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. That's quite a mouthful, so I'm just going to add on to that. God has placed hope within creation itself, that creation is longing for the day that us as children of God are revealed. And again, I spoke about identity in the beginning. Creation, that means your dog, rocks, sand, like people, everything on earth is actually like looking forward to the day that us as Christians realize who we are in Christ because something's going to change in the spirit. Something's going to change in the, in the physical. Amen. 
<laughs> Amen. Let's, um, let's skip to verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. If we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Patience is the fruit of hope. If you want to know if you're hoping well, are you being patient? Or are you like, God, you said, and it's not. You know, like, sometimes we need to trust that God is God and we're not. You know, like, you might be here and He's given you a promise. And sometimes this journey between where the promise is given to where it's fulfilled, there's actually a time for us to develop, to develop our character because if we got what he promised prematurely, we would be destroyed. You know, you want a wife? Are you ready for a wife? <laughs> Am I ready for a wife? <laughs> I'm still in process. <laughs> okay. And then Romans... 828, we're skipping down to that. I love this verse. We probably, this is probably one of the most quoted verses in the Bible. But all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Good, good news for you today. If you love God and if you're a Christian, you're called according to His purpose, which means that all things will work together for your good. See, there's a difference. This is like a verse like this can be really powerful or it can just sound nice. And how is it powerful? It's when we actually believe it. Because when I, when I spoke to you guys about the year in, in 2017, when I felt like emotionally or whatever, like hopeless, I felt like God said to me, you have the choice now to, to know that I'm God or to believe that I'm God. Because we throw around words like, oh, I know God is good. I know He loves me. I know He has a plan for me. But there's such a big difference between actually knowing it and actually believing it. Because the thing is, when you believe it, it actually manifests in action. It manifests like that anxiety that you had, it subsides. That fear that you had, it goes away. Amen. <laughs> so there's this beautiful, beautiful moment where we as Christians get to step into the believing God. But now this is the question, how do we get there? Some of us are like, I know God is good and I want to believe it, but I don't think I do. How do I do it? This is where the beauty of renewing the mind comes from. And it's probably one of, it's, it's not easy, I won't lie to you, but it's the most beautiful thing when you actually get it. Because what happens is, renewing the mind, it literally means to change the way you think. That's what repentance means. It actually means to change the way you think. So you used to think like this about something, now you think like this. It's like turning from your sin to God, but there's, the way you see things changes. Bill Johnson says that many of us repent enough to see salvation, but not necessarily enough to see the kingdom. It's easy to see that you're a sinner and you need God, but to actually see the truth, believe it, and actually live a life of freedom, of holiness, that comes from believing the gospel, believing the truth, not just knowing it. So there are some keys to hope. And it's found in Romans 12, verse 12. It says, you don't have to turn there, it's just one verse. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation and constant in prayer. So rejoice, be patient, and pray constantly. Um, I just want to quickly have a song played, if that is okay with you guys. 
please just listen to the song. You can close your eyes or follow with the lyrics on the screen. Um, but just really let the Holy Spirit talk to you in this song. It's really powerful. Like the frost on a rose Winter comes for us all Oh, how nature acquaints us With the nature of patience Like a seed in the snow I've been buried to grow For your promises, loyal From sea to sequoia I know Though the winter is long Even richer The harvest it brings Though my waiting belongs Even greater Your promise for me Like a seed I believe that my season will come 
to the band just to come up and I'll end with this. You know that Jesus hoped. There's this moment in in the garden of Gethsemane where God is where God himself Jesus now in the flesh. He feels so crushed with grief. Like just imagine you're about to go die on a cross. And I'm blown away. It says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Now, obviously, the joy set before him was he was going to see the Father again. He was going to be reunited with the Father. But I personally believe that the joy set before him was the fact that he was going to have a relationship with us, that he endured that pain in the garden. He endured that pain on the cross, not for a guarantee, but for the chance that you would choose him. That doesn't make you feel special. I don't know what will. There was no guarantee that we would choose relationship with him. None. And he hoped. He's like, God, I'm giving my life for these people with the hope that they will choose me and that I'll have relationship with them. So I just want, to cl- I just want you to close your eyes. There might be some of you that are here tonight and you realize I've never put my hope in Jesus. I'm hopeless. I've never had a relationship with Jesus. And I'm telling you now, nothing in your life will ever be meaningful or worthwhile. You'll find no sense of satisfaction outside of relationship with Jesus. So I want to extend the opportunity to you tonight, right where you're at. If you know that's you, and you know tonight there's no coincidence that I'm here there's no coincidence that hope was spoken about tonight because God I'm hopeless I want to give you the chance tonight to make the best decision you've ever made in your entire life if that's you I want you to just just raise your hand right now if you feel like Jesus I need to put my hope in you I need to put my hope in you Jesus I want to have a relationship with you and know what it's like to live life just put up your hand if that's you alright awesome I want to invite another group to the front and that might be people that you feel like you've lost hope in certain areas of your life you might feel like financially you're drowning and there's no way out You might feel that emotionally you're just destroyed and you just can't go anymore. Your heart is so broken and there's just no hope for you. If that's you, I want you to come in front of the ministry team. Please join me up here. If you feel like you need new hope, I believe God is going to give an impartation of hope and faith tonight that is going to not only change your, your current situations, but your future.
Hope is going to be released tonight. Hopelessness is going to be destroyed tonight in Jesus' name. So if that's you, if you are hoping for something, come to the front. Or even if you know of someone that's close to you, that you're like, God, my heart breaks for the hopelessness that they are facing. Come on behalf of them. That's the power of the testimony. You can actually, you can take faith for them. So God, right now, I just pray that there will be such a new release of hope over each and every person in this building. God, that we will realize that life is a missions field. Our work, our school is a mission field for you, Jesus. And maybe we're not battling with hopelessness tonight, but you know what the world is. What are you going to do about it? God, I pray right now that you will strengthen every single believer here tonight to be the Bible that many people will read for the first time in their lives, God. I pray that they will carry hope in such a way, like Francis Brangipani said, that their lives will glisten with hope, that people will look at them, God, and be like, I need to be with this person. I need to meet them. I, need, I have to have what they have, God. So God, I thank you, Lord, for a release of faith for the future, God, for hope, a confident expectation of your goodness, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Why don't you just right now decide to pray by yourselves out loud. Pray for, pray for these people around you that you know need hope. Pray for yourself if you feel like you need hope. Right now, come, let's raise it up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Pray louder. I can't hear you guys. We need to move heaven. Come on.